Well, the people with whom we share the good news of Jesus Christ will respond to it one way or the other. And so we need to think through the different responses that we're going to get from explaining the gospel message. And the purpose of this class is uh, one of preparation. We want to be prepared to engage in conversation with our family and friends after we have shared the gospel with them. And then we want to just think through some potential responses that we have to their response. So we respond to their responses uh, so that we feel comfortable in sharing and discussing the gospel uh, and its implications for life. And one of the reasons for this is that we just want to remove a lot of the fear that we have that, you know, I'm not going to be able to to help them. I don't know all the answers and and, um, it's just too hard. So, that's why uh, it's helpful just to think through these together and try to work through some r- responses that we can have when they respond in a certain way. So this is a class on preparation and equipping us for uh, the, the various outcomes that we could receive. Last week we began by looking at the different outcomes that could crop up after we share the gospel. seems like these are the five main ones. Uh, a definite yes, we looked at that. Definite no, we didn't have time, so we're going to start on that one today and then a yes but not yet, and then on the fence, and then the fifth one is already a Christian, and then I'm also going to add a sixth one, which is I am a former Christian. You know, I used to be a Christian. We'll talk about what potential responses for that as well. All right, so before we we review the definite yes and then move on to the next five, let's have a word of prayer and and, uh, we'll begin. Father, we do come before you acknowledging our sin and recognizing our shame that even though Christ has saved us, we turn back to the sin that we are freed from, that we're freed from its penalty, and we are freed from its power. But we have not been freed from its presence yet, and so because of that, it still reigns in us. Uh, Sometimes we allow it to reign over us, and so we are ashamed and want to come to You and ask for forgiveness and ask for You to cleanse us and to and to uh, lead us into righteousness as You have promised to do. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that You would help us in our responsibility to share the Gospel. Thank You for the opportunities even this last week as we met with unbelievers over a meal, that we had opportunities to talk about um, various aspects of the Gospel, and we pray that the the, uh, water that was given to the soil would produce fruit, some fruit, some 20, some 50, some 100-fold, and and we pray that the result would be that many would be praising You because of Your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we started with the first response, a definite yes. And uh, to recap, this occurs when someone wants to live according to God's way but realizes that they are presently living their own way. That is, They are not a Christian, but they realize that they must become one. And so, by way of review, what are some things that we want to do to help friends understand when they express their desire to follow Christ? Um, First is, we mentioned, to check their understanding of the Gospel. Let's make sure that they properly understand. If they say, yes, I want to become a Christian, then let's help them think through that. What does it mean to become a Christian? Okay, help them to think through the, the idea of counting the cost. Are you sure you want to do this? This is serious stuff. This is not something you just kind of, oh, well, yeah, I'll try it out. I'll, I'll test drive Jesus and see if He works. 
type thing. It's, it's a full-on commitment. I'm giving myself to Him. Second thing is we want to pray for them and teach them how to pray the Gospel or, or pray in response to the Gospel so perhaps they don't know how to pray. And if, if they ask you that, it's completely appropriate to say, well, here's something that you could say to God in asking for forgiveness for your sins. Help them to understand uh, that, that their prayer is not what saves them. We touched on this a little bit, but okay, we don't want to give them assurance of salvation where God hasn't. Okay, Let God give the assurance of salvation. Our job is to point them back to the Scriptures, let them check up against it, and let them know, listen, you know, you, you may, uh, we're going to have to see. We're going to see if there's fruit. Um, let them know that, that they can't count on when they stand before God, the inside of their Bible that says, I was saved on such and such date. Okay, That's not our goal. We don't want them to have a false assurance of salvation. And so we want to um, help them to understand it properly. And then thirdly, follow up. They follow up, which means that we need to be willing to meet with them. Ask about their involvement in the local church. What are the next steps? Okay, when a person does make a commitment to Christ and want to follow and you lead them through that process, then what, what's next? Not like, okay, go back to your life, enjoy. Uh, hope, hope that works out for you. No, it's, it's, you know, as Christians, we meet together. You know, we, we join with other believers. We, we are first baptized and then we join with other believers in a uh, public and a, um, a serious way. So that's the... Definite yes. When they are ready to respond, then make sure they understand the gospel. Pray with them and for them, and then follow up. Today we want to look at the second outcome, which is a definite no. Sometimes people react to the gospel presentation by not only admitting that they are currently living as their own king or their own boss, but they'd also like to keep it that way. They don't want anything to do with uh, God's way. So here's a potential way that we could we could speak to them, that we could carry on a conversation with someone who's giving us a definite no. So we we finish our gospel presentation. Maybe this is in one setting. Remember, maybe this is over a long period of time. Could be decades of waiting for an open door. We finally get an opportunity to share the gospel in a way that's clear, and we do. And we say, so I've told you a lot of things, but if what I say is true, it leaves you with a choice that you can either live your way or God's way. So are you re- ready to respond positively to the gospel? Are you ready to, to repent and believe? And the person says, you know, that's great for you. I am glad that you are happy with your life and your faith, but honestly, that's not for me, and I don't ever want it to be part of my life. So we don't really need to talk about this anymore. And uh, what we need to think through is what our potential responses could be. So here's, here's one possible response to that. So you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead to be ruler over everything? And if they say, well, no, I don't really believe that, then who was Jesus? And, you know, they'll have all sorts of answers, but one might be he was a good man, but very misunderstood. And then... Um, and then our response to him would be, well, have you read the New Testament lately? You know, have you read any part of the New Testament lately? And this is what, what we were talking about last week as well. You know, let's, let's get them to see Jesus for themselves. Let, let's introduce them to Jesus for themselves. 
And if they say no, then you can respond by saying, well, I don't mean to be rude, but don't you think you should? Because if what I say is true and you continue to live your way, then you are going to face some serious consequences. But you don't seem to be worried because you don't believe that Jesus is who He says He was, even though you haven't read the New Testament. And if you don't read it for yourself, you're just believing an unsupported opinion, right? You could, you could press that, by the way, if, you, if they're willing to talk, by saying, what, on what basis do you believe that Jesus is not Lord overall or that these things will not happen? And then they're going to have to say, well, you know, my parents always did it that way or I can tell because the majority of the culture lives this way. I mean, how can all these people be wrong, right? And so you can, you can push that. But, but basically, if you don't read the, the Scriptures for yourself, you're believing an unsupported opinion. And then you can say, I would be happy to read through one of the Gospels with you if you'd like and and then they are left to respond. So, here are some key points that we want to think through and when we come across a person who's giving a definite no. Okay, we want to ask questions again. This, this helps get to the heart of their issue. Is, do you, are you saying no because you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Okay, who do you think Jesus was? And what is your basis for that? Again, this is where we press them a little bit. And would you like to consider evidence? Again, we're, we're trying to get them to think through thoughtful questions. Instead of arguing about the existence of God, arguing about creation, human sin, weakness, which we could do and go on and on, the place we start is with Jesus Himself. Let's take the person and introduce them to Jesus and then they're going to have to respond to Him. Okay? Again, again, it's not, I must win them to myself in order to win them to Christ. Okay, no, you need to win them to Christ. They don't have to accept you in order to accept Jesus. They could completely reject you and think you're uh, a total louse, okay? But still accept Jesus. And then eventually they'll see that you're not, hopefully, right? So, what happens if we can't ask questions? I don't know if I have. Yeah, okay. If you can't ask questions, I would say respect their wishes. Okay, this is the example I've used before of the, the, the guy that I knew that went door to door and he would, he would press people for a decision and they didn't want to talk and then he would physically put his foot in the door and not allow them to close the door. Eventually got, a, uh, got the police called on him and a restraining order. Okay, that's not how Christ gave the gospel. It's not how the, the uh, apostles gave the gospel. Um, so respect their wishes. They don't, if they're not going to respond, okay, Move on to some other soil. Pray regularly for their salvation. Don't give up on them. Pray regularly for them. They say, no, I don't want to respond. Well, there are lots of people that were in that position, including many of us, who were in that position where we said, no, I don't want to hear it. That's not me. But then over time, God continued to work in our heart and someone else came along or maybe the same person came along and was persistent with us and it was because... God was working through the prayers of His people. Pray that you could maintain a witness with them, to them. Okay, pray that you'll continue to have an opportunity that they don't completely shut you out. 
but that you'll have opportunity to speak again. And then, number four, be patient. Okay, just like the farmer, James chapter 4, the farmer patiently waits for the soil. He waits for the, for the rains to come. And then, when it's time, the harvest comes. Okay, so be patient. It's not going to always happen overnight. Sometimes there is some instantaneous, miraculous, uh, miracle grow type growth, right? But for the most part, it takes a long time. And then fifth, love them and spend time with them. So again, just maintain that relationship as long as you can. As long as God gives you the opportunity, maintain that relationship so that God can use you down the road to, to continue to share that gospel with them. So in summary, point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus by asking questions, by loving them with gentleness, by respecting them as a person, and by praying for them. Point them to Jesus. That's what they need to see. Someone who gives a definite no needs to be pointed to Jesus. Any questions on a definite yes or a definite no? Or any comments? What was that? Oh, uh, would you like to consider evidence together? I think it was. Whoops. What is your basis? Would you like to consider evidence? Yep. All right. Yep. Anything else? All right. Have any of you experienced that before? Definite no? How? How? Yeah, any other thoughts on how to respond, Bill? Yeah, and again, yep, and those, how do we respond when someone said definite no? You know, be patient, pray for them, still maintain that relationship, seek other opportunities. Ken? For how many years? How many years? So that that gives us hope, you know, because there are other Kens out there that are going to give you definite no's. Just give give us some time. Keep praying about it. Let's see what God can do. Our God is able. Yes, Retta.
Grandma, I want to come back to your church. I miss your church, and I miss you. And I look at my son's page, and his freedom and diaries, and I think he and ask if the kids were off plan. He needs to go to school. He needs you to take him to church. And he looked at his wife, Sandra, who I've been praying for, and this must mean she was on my church for years now. praying, see what God will do. Alright, number three, which is the second one for us today. Yes, but not yet. This third response involves a person who can see that they need to become a Christian. They they recognize the evidence that you're giving them and that they should respond, but they don't want to at this moment. So what do you what do you think should be done at this point? Has anyone ever been in this situation? They they say, Yes, I know that what you're saying is true, but not ready. How do we respond to someone like that? Yeah. So ask questions. Seek good. Seek uh, seek further opportunity to speak to them. Any uh, specific questions or statements that you might ask or say to them? Okay. Good. Um, on the back of your handout is a just a brief summary of um, book called Nine Marks of the Gospel. I think I have it here. No, I don't. Um, Nine Marks of the Gospel. He's got a a section on, or I'm sorry, Nine Marks of the Healthy Church. He has a section on evangelism. They're under how should we evangelize. Um, Number two, tell people with urgency. If they repent and believe, they will be saved, but they must decide now. This is all those passages we've been looking at in Luke on Sunday night. That, that those who delay will be judged. Okay? If you delay, Christ comes back, you're not working, you haven't responded, you're going to be judged with all the rest. So, you know, that's a good thing in your heart to have that desire that, yes, this is the right thing to do, but express the urgency of it, as Jonathan is saying here. That's that's good. Yeah. Right. So, again, that's the urgency. Help them to see, help them to see their need now. Okay, that that you could stand before God. Here, here's the passage again in Luke. I think it's chapter 13. That that the master could return at any time, or the thief. You know, the idea that Jesus is like a thief in that he doesn't telegraph when he's going to come to your house. Right. He doesn't write you a postcard and say, "I'm coming soon." So. I'm coming tomorrow night, so make sure you're ready by tomorrow night. Then everybody would trim their lamps okay, to bring in another parable. But 
Instead, he says, come, come now. And those who believe him and respond in proper belief will, um, will trim their lamp, lamps before it's time. Uh, because remember, if you think about the parable of the ten lamps, the ten, ten virgins, five of them trim their lamps. The other five do not. But it's not that the other five don't want to. It's that they thought they had more time. And then when the five, or when the master comes and says it's time, then they want to do it. They say, I'm ready to do it. And the point is, is, is what Paul's saying is, once you get to the next life, it's too late to decide. You know, we might wish that we could just get to the next life. I'll evaluate my whole life from birth to death. I'll see how God treated me. I'll see all the, the evidence of His truth. And then at that point, then I'll decide before judgment. And God's saying, no, that's not how it works. You need to believe by faith. You have to walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, because if, if, if it were by sight, then uh, it would be much clearer for everyone. But um, God's saying this is enough. Okay, so short term, we want to ask questions and remove barriers. So if there's something that's harming them from, from responding, what is it that's keeping them from making the response? And that's going to require some discernment on our part. What's, re- what's hindering them? What, what uh, kind of implications of the gospel are they struggling with? And that's where a book like this comes in handy. This is called If You Could Ask One Question. It's got 14 questions, I think. And, and we went through five of these uh, one, uh, one, one morning. Uh, 13 questions. So why, do you, why does God allow suffering? How can any be sure, anyone be sure there's life after death? What about followers of other religions? All good people go to heaven, right? And these are responses, biblical responses to those kinds of questions. These are the 13 most common questions that unbelievers ask and are their stumbling blocks. Okay, So I'd be happy to let you borrow mine or um, I could point you to where you can get a copy yourself. Yep. And it's... Yeah, it's a really helpful book. Uh, I read through it in preparation for Christianity Explored that seven-week study that we had and and um, it helps work through several of the questions that you're going to get over and over and over again and helps to have a, a ready response. Or even if you're maybe they asked the question and you weren't ready, then you can go back to the book and say, you know, let me get that's a good question. Let me get back to you on that because I think it's important to know the answer to that question and then see what the Bible has to say about it. Um, obviously, see what the Bible has to say, but this book is, helps point you back to the Bible in a way that's helpful. So short-term, ask questions and remove barriers. Long-term, this is what Greg is saying, arrange another meeting. You know, don't, don't stop the, the relationship. Say, hey, can we talk about this another time? Sometimes people just need some time. So ask for an opportunity to arrange number, another meeting and use it as a means to witness to them because clearly they haven't responded to the gospel. Um, deepen their biblical understanding. So say, would you be willing to read through one of the Gospels with me? Would you be willing to read through um, one of the books of the Bible? Or maybe a, a, just a Christian book of some kind and use that as a springboard to talk about more spiritual things. And then the third long-term thing we can do is warn them about delay. This is uh, Jonathan and Paul both said, the urgency of making this choice today. Okay, That, that you need to respond. If you hear God's voice, if you're responding, recognize that your passive acceptance 
is a lot like Pilate. Okay, Pilate was okay. I'm 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 cool with Jesus. I, yeah, he's he's all right. I don't see anything wrong with him. But it was actually an act of rejection, wasn't it? He denied the Messiah who had come to save him from his sins. From his sins. And so all this, oh yeah, I, I like what you have to say. I believe it, but I'm not ready. Okay, that's actually a, a form of rejection. We call it a passive uh, rejection. Right. Yep. And then again, back to the urgency and counting the cost. Okay. That who doesn't build a building and then consider what it's going to cost them. So, you know, the fact that you're thinking about that sin and having to give it up, that's a good thing because Christ demands that you do give it up. Okay. Because He demands exclusive discipleship, exclusive following, and you can't have both. You can't love God and money, as Jesus said. Right. Or put in any other idol in there. You can't love both. God demands exclusive, uh, exclusive uh, following. So find the obstacles to full surrender. What are they? Whether they're sins, that's a good point. And then also, you know, maybe doctrinal issues or just really deep philosophical questions. Find the obstacles and try to help them to find uh, where they can get the answers to those. And then warn about delay. Show them the urgency of following. And again, those passages in Luke 12 through 14 where we're working through the last couple months, those are very helpful for this, what we're talking about today. Okay, that Jesus says, listen, uh, the difference between a true disciple of His and a nominal disciple of His is that a true disciple hears the Word and responds to it. He actually does what God tells him to do, what Christ tells him. The, The nominal disciple in name only is the one who only hears the Word and they don't respond to it. So just the fact that you hear and you understand and you accept is not enough. Right? The demons believe and shudder, as James says. So you need to respond with a, uh, uh, unreserved trust is how um, my uh, seminary professor put it. An unreserved trust. You, you do have to believe that Jesus died, that He rose again, that He lives now for us, that He reigns. Okay, And you need to accept, you need to have an emotional response in that you shudder the fact that God reigns over all and He demands a response. But it's, those two are not enough. Okay, It's not enough to just believe and to shudder. We need to have an unreserved trust in the finished work of Christ and then respond with repentance and faith. Number four, or number... Uh, I'm not sure what number this is. Already a Christian. Okay, number four today, number... You know what? I think I missed one here. I missed on the fence. Maybe I switched the order. Yeah, I did. Okay. Sorry about that. We're going to go to already a Christian next. The fourth kind of response when a person you're talking to professes already, uh, they, they already profess to be a Christian. Well, I already am a Christian. Um, how do you respond to someone like that? Okay. Uh, obviously, uh, there are a couple different kinds of people that would say this, that I'm already a Christian. 
Okay, there could be some people who already are a Christian. And there are other people who say that very thing but are not a Christian. So how do you respond to someone when you don't know? Paul? Ask them to convert you. Okay. So, yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, we don't say in those terms, but uh, when we when when we invite someone to, into membership of our church, we ask them to share the gospel. Okay, Let, let's hear what does it take for a person to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that's excellent. You know, the the kind of the, the maybe the overly used line is, if you died today and you were going to stand before God, how would you respond? Okay, uh, that's that's a good question to ask. So you say you're a Christian, well, what does that mean? Okay, so you want to explore what they mean. There, there are a number of ways that we can uh, gently probe to see if someone is uh, a genuine believer. Okay, we can ask questions. When did you make this change? Okay, because your job is to get a read on them. Okay, you need to, to check the genuineness of their claim because if they're saying they're a Christian, then why? On what basis are they a Christian? So when did this happen? And then secondly, what does living for God look like? Okay, what, what does a Christian's life look like? How does a person come to, to Christ? And then what does it look like after the fact? And then thirdly, have you come to a place where you're confident in your salvation? This is the, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Are you confident of that? Because some people say, I already am a Christian. And you say, well, are you confident of your salvation? Are you confident that God would accept you if you died today? And they say, well, not really. Okay, so then there's some follow-up that you can have with that. Um, listen to how they speak of Jesus. Listen closely to what they say about Him. Do they talk about Jesus like they know Him and they, like He knows them? Or do they just talk about it like a catchword or the latest fad word that's out there? You know, uh, Because... All who talk about Jesus are not genuine Christians. Okay, so the, we need to make an evaluation. So we need to probe and ask questions. And they should not be offended by that. Just think about you. Someone said, you know, they were trying to witness to you. And they're trying to share the gospel with you. And you say, you know, I'm already a Christian. But I do appreciate you sharing that with me. Well, would you be offended if someone said, well, why do you know that you're a Christian? Well, I hope you wouldn't be. Right, I hope you'd be happy to share with them how you know for a fact that you are a Christian. Do you have a question? Yeah, and I was just watching an interview with a, a nun. They have some apparently some reality show with some girls that are going into the sisterhood or whatever they call that convent. Um, and so uh, they had them on like the Today Show or something like that. And there was a nun on there, and she was speaking a lot of the same terms that we use. You know, like we we need we need to show people the importance of belief in Jesus. It's like if you just saw her in a regular gar- okay in normal. <laughs> street clothes, and she's talking like that, we might say, Christian, 
Okay, but that's why we need to probe a little deeper and say, okay, really? Okay, so uh, kind of a cautious reply, not just a, um, I'm just going to be completely naive. You know, the proverb says, the naive believe everything. Okay, don't be naive. Be wise in how you respond to people uh, if they say that they're already a Christian. So long term, uh, treat them like a Christian. Okay, so this is what a Christian should do. So you say you're a Christian. You say you understand it. So why are you not a member of a church? Why have you not been baptized? Okay, why are you not fellowshipping with other believers? Why are you not committing yourself to a, a local church? Because that's what Christians do. Okay, that's what we see in the New Testament is a clear pattern that when someone is saved, they're baptized and added to the local church. And that they can they take part in the um, breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, which is what it's referring to, and fellowship and singing and worship. So why are you not doing that? That's what Christians do. You say you're a Christian. Treat them like them. Disciple them. Help them move to the next level. Maybe they are a Christian, but they just didn't realize that Christians are supposed to do this. Could it be that they are a Christian? They're just ignorant of the next steps? Okay, so help, help disciple them. Move them to the next spot. If they're immature, invest time in maturing them. Bill. That, that is a tough one. I, I would say that that's going to... It's tough to evaluate over time. I have a friend who's a doctor... And um, I actually met him at my seminary graduation. He's a friend of um, one of my friends who is graduating with me. And he's a doctor over here at Beaumont or Henry Ford somewhere. And um, he told me about his the time when he got saved. It was when he was at Nebraska, University of Nebraska, while he was in college. And he remembers clearly the time in which he went to like an intervarsity group or something like that and and clearly responded to the gospel accepted it, knew that he was supposed to be discipled and added to the church. But you know what happens when you're going to be a doctor? Life gets busy. And so for the next six years, he was not in a church. Now, he went to a lot of the meetings. He read his Bible on occasion. And he is confident, he's pretty confident that he was saved at that time, the six years earlier, before he actually settled down here in Michigan, finally joined a church. He's now... Uh, a deacon at a church in Livonia, and he's on on the board at Maranatha Baptist Bible College. So clearly a Christian, godly man, guy I respect a great deal, but but six years, you know, and, that, and that's my prayer often for Amir Sanae. Remember Amir? He came here, Iranian man, who went to Wayne State, made a profession of faith, was baptized, joined our church. And I'm praying that he's a lot like my friend Mike. You know, that, that he just needs to settle down. God needs to grip him and move him to the next step. But I'm afraid what's happened is he's recognized the cost after having made the choice and now wants to turn away. And that's why there's no sign of life for the last three or four years. But, but could God still be working in that soil of Amir's heart? I pray that's the case. And, and so to answer your question, Bill, I don't know. I don't know how long to give them. But what I do know is that a person who calls himself a Christian and does not live like one really has no business of having assurance of salvation. Okay, They ought to be following Christ, and we ought to show them that urgency. That doesn't mean we give everybody a free pass. Hey, because we had Dr. Mike, 
He's the exception, so there's probably some other ones, and so we'll just let pe- show them the urgency of discipleship. That's what I would say. Keep warning them. Keep discipling them. Keep um, praying for them. So treat them like Christian. Disciple them. If they're mature, invest. If they're immature, invest time in them. If they're living like the world, challenge them. That's all you can do. We can't. We can't open up the recesses of their heart like God can and say, "Yes, Christian." But what we can do is say, Christians have signs of life, and you don't have a sign, any signs of life. So right now it looks like you're an unbeliever. You're living like an unbeliever. Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah, so ask them. So that's the first question there. When did it happen? What, what, tell me the circumstances of when it happened. And then I just want to throw a side comment in here that what you should notice is that the way that you treat someone who, who um, says yes but not yet and the way that you treat someone that says um, I'm already a Christian is not much different. You evaluate them and then you try to take them to the next level. You, you really share the gospel with them. Listen, this is what gospel living looks like. Gospel living demands a changed life. I mean, as an evangelist, you really don't have that many tricks up your sleeve. In relationships with Christians, we just simply need to encourage them to consider the truth of the gospel and its implications. And um, so ask questions like, is the gospel true for your life? Do you believe it? Do you live it? And if not, I want to be here to help you to do that. So in summary, take the take their spiritual temperature as best as you can. Um, encourage them by seeing the marks of grace and then disciple them. Think of opportunities for them to grow as Christians. What is it they need? They need? Okay, it's Just like we had obstacles for an unbeliever, what is it that's keeping them from making that next step? Well, if we have someone who's just an immature Christian, what is it that they need to do to take the next step? What's keeping them from that. All right, we need to move quickly here on these last two. On the fence, a frequent response to your gospel presentation is for people to grab the middle ground. Okay, this is probably, the pilot illustration probably works better here. This passive acceptance is really active rejection. Oh, you know, I don't really want to hurt anybody on either side. You know, if I say yes to you, then I'm saying no to my family because my family all are whatever religion and so I don't want to say yes. I'll just say that everybody has their own religion and they can see things how they want to see them and that's okay. Okay, so how do we respond to someone uh, who is, who's saying, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. I, I don't really want to choose one way or the other. And again, this is back to the urgency idea. We want to show them the seriousness of their sin. Okay, the the ver- the the great sin for which people will be judged for all of eternity is the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. So show them the seriousness of their sin. God has called you to come to Jesus Christ. You need to come. Okay? He, he is Lord over all. And He deserves lordship in your life. Maybe not use those terms, but He deserves you know, to be master in your life. Remind them that Jesus offers two ways to live. And then in summary, talk about sin. Okay, so if they're on the fence, 
they're basically saying, I don't want to choose. And again, there could be some obstacles there, so we might need to remove some barriers. It could be, like Paul was saying earlier, I just don't want to give up this sin. So, But show them the urgency. Listen, your sin is serious before God. And God will not just overlook it or somehow sweep it under the rug. Well, you know, you were, you were close, and I'll give it to you. No, uh, he, respond, he, he expects a fervent, genuine response. Someone who has counted the cost and has gone uh, and given everything to follow him. All right, number six, a former Christian. Okay, obviously in a broad sense there, the, the person's understanding is that they used to be a Christian and now they're not. This is not uh, a theology on losing your salvation. Uh, hopefully you were here on Wednesday and you heard that uh, the Bible does not teach that. But I have a family member who grew up in a Christian home and went to a Christian school and a God-honoring church. But when he grew up, he turned away from Christ. He turned away from Christianity that he once acknowledged. And since then, we've had some pretty tense conversations about the value of the Christian faith. So what do we do when someone says, you know, I used to be a Christian, but now I'm not? How do we, how do we talk to these people? Any ideas? Has, has this happened to you? Okay. Any ideas of how we talk? Right. John 10, John 6, both of those. Okay, so it's an impossibility for you to have been a Christian and now have turned away. But how do we, how do we talk to them? If maybe they agree with that. Okay, fine. Mike. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna say something else. Okay. Yeah. Ask lots of why questions. Hey, what is it? Tell me. Uh, talk to me. What is it that that um. What is it that's pulling you away from Christ? Because all of Christ's sheep draw uh, uh, draw closer to Him. Like Jesus draws His sheep closer to Him. He doesn't allow them to stray. So the fact that you're saying that you used to be a Christian, you used to be a part of the flock, and now you're gone, doesn't square with the Bible. So tell me about that. What is it that's, that's hindering you? Now, of course, be sensitive and loving as you do that, but, but do also be clear about their sin and God's moral order in creation. So again, find the obstacle, um, help remove it by pointing them to the Scripture, talk about their sin, and warn of delay. Okay, so almost every single one of these, besides the definite yes, warn of delay. You cannot delay. Delay means death. Okay, if you hear the voice of God today, as He speaks to you through His Holy Spirit, through the Word, then do not harden your heart like the children of Israel. Respond to Him today. Um, And then, uh, I think I gave you a list of various kinds of audiences that you're going to come across. Okay, first, the indifferent or the ignorant. People who have heard the Gospel, but they don't really see a need for a Savior. They're probably unaware of their sin. They don't really see the depth of it. And they just can't see how it's so critical to to follow God. So, uh, just be aware of your audience. That'll help you as you're you're trying to read them and find the obstacles to help remove the self-righteous. There are two types: the non-religious folks who despise the idea of sin. You know, this is the idea that hey, everybody's love, and certainly God would be love. And then um, the nominal, 
the nominally religious like the Pharisees. You know, they understand a lot of the truths of Scriptures, but their hearts are stone and their hearts are far from God. And so we need to expose their self-righteousness by holding up the mirror of God's Word to them. Okay, let's take a look. This is what you say. This is how you live. Um, and use yourself as an example. Okay. The, the, hey, listen, I am opposed to God. I was opposed to God, and God showed me the light of His Word. Nominal Christians, that is, Christians in name only, are false Christians. People who think they are Christians, but they're not. There's another kind. Deliberate atheists. These are the ones that have all these philosophical issues that they can't get past. And usually the main one with atheists they can't get past is why does God allow suffering? And the truth is they don't have an answer for it either. Okay, We certainly are perplexed by it. We don't understand all of it. We have a better answer than they do. Okay, So, so help work through that with them. Give honest answers to honest questions instead of just completely dismissing everything that they say. Okay, acknowledge when they are speaking truth or something that's of value and then invite them to the claims of Christianity. And then cultists in today's age, we need to be prepared for this group as well. Um, make sure that you recognize what Bible we're talking about when you say, you know, you need to read the Bible because the Bible could mean the Koran for them or uh, Joseph Smith's Bible or whatever. Um, but emphasize the the key points of the true Bible, the living Word, Jesus Christ, and be careful not to spend time alone with them. Okay, Don't spend time alone with cult members. It's good to have another mature Christian alongside of you. Alright, well, this has been good. Your uh, conversation and questions and comments have been helpful for our overall review. We'll wrap up the class by taking a summary of the class and then review um, and, and look at some next steps next time. And so let's pray and we'll go. Father, thank you again. We, we see the complexities of sharing the gospel um, more than before. And we didn't realize that when we came to Christ. We didn't realize how much was involved and really how much you were involved in our salvation. We, we thought it was us. We thought it was the one who spoke the gospel to us. Now we see it's of you and we need to keep point, pointing them back to Jesus. And so help us to do that. Help us to see the the need for people to have clarity and to actually make a response. And we pray for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.